Hi, welcome to the second and third episodes of Adventures in Dialogue. My name is Melissa, and I sat down with my friend Erica Tess Kahn, who is a fashion and apparel designer, to talk through uh, her career and also about supply chain uh, logistics and sustainability sourcing, things like that from a designer's perspective. Eric has worked for brands like Pilgrim and the North Face and is now working for an outdoor company in Boulder, Colorado called Artelect. She's helping head up the design there and they're doing some really cool stuff. So it was, uh, it ended up being a two hour conversation. I felt like that was a little bit long for one sitting. So definitely wanted to, um, break it up and the first episode we talk about kind of Erica's you know how she became a designer how she sort of put it together a lot of it was you know just following her interests and her passion so I think it's a really interesting story in terms of you know just getting in there and getting your hands dirty as far as what you're interested in and you know her story definitely is inspiring in that sense of leading her to where she wanted to be so the second episode is getting more into the sustainability side of apparel manufacturing and design and particularly supply chain logistics. Obviously that's a big topic right now um, with everything happening in terms of delays and things like that. But we definitely try to stay a little bit high level on it as far as not getting too in the weeds, technically uh, more just kind of identifying trends and you know, potential opportunities for change. It's a big meaty subject. So there's lots of ways to look at it. And, you know, I think that was kind of where we ended with the conversation is, is just trying to break down some of the things that are out there in terms of, you know, what people might not be aware of, what people might be aware of, but might want to go deeper on. And so, you know, in general, just uh, looking at it through Erica's perspective, having worked for um, at different levels of supply chain sourcing. And yeah, so she gives us a, a well-rounded perspective on that. And what else? Let's see. Um, a couple notes on how each of the episodes start. The first one is coming in a bit mid uh, sentence we were chatting just before I hit record so not a super proper intro but um, we get into it pretty quickly so that's the first episode and then the second one picks up on where we were in our conversation kind of shifting more into the supply chain sustainability talk and uh, yeah so if, if you feel like you're walking into the middle of a conversation that is what is happening on both So I am working on getting some intro music set up. So, you know, the, these intros don't have to be so, uh, so quiet, I guess. And uh, I'm just slowly, you know, learning how to podcast, learning how to bring things to life and produce. So um, eventually we'll hopefully get a producer, but in the meantime, uh, I hope you enjoy the episodes. Thanks so much. I guess the question is, okay, if we, obviously, if we're going to keep producing at the level that we have been, yeah, I think that makes sense is that it's a much longer process where people don't want to take a time out versus is there space to, you know, start reinventing like what it even means to produce textiles, not at scale at first, but just how can we like source fabrics that are already out there, obviously like dead stock, but what are kind of some of those other alternatives? So I've worked in like all the different levels, um, but like a big thing to do, like going to a jobber who's Mm -hmm. someone who takes, you know, textile seconds from, from, because these larger companies will be, will end up with, you know, rolls of fabric that's unused and you can, you can buy that stuff um, often at a premium, but a lot of the times you don't know what's in it. Mm. Got it. Also be like quite frustrating because yes, you're using dead stock fabric, but like 
you don't know what the finish is. You don't know what the chemical properties are. You don't know where it's from uh, a lot of the time. So where there's a lot of positives to that, and I've made a lot of stuff like that. I've done, you know, full runs of dead stock, which mm-hmm. is great. You know, that's just, that's just like one of the trade-offs. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then it's like, you might not know what the properties are. Therefore, like, you don't know if it's waterproof. You don't know how long it's going to, like all of these yeah. things. You have to be able to market it at some level. Yeah. So that's kind of like what dead stock means. And then um, there's so many ways to do things. You know, we haven't talked about this, but I had my own hat company where I, I just wanted to make something that I knew every single step of the process. I knew what sheep it came off of. I knew the farm and the farmers. I knew where yeah. it was tied, all of that kind of stuff. And um, there's ways to do that in really small bespoke ways. Mm-hmm. which is a beautiful process and it's so cool. Um, and it's really difficult as a, I mean, and I'm talking through business lenses. Like I was able to do that because that was not my job. Right. Totally. That was a passion project. I made a small amount of money mm-hmm. just to be able to put it back into it. But that was, you know, I, I wasn't at the, at the point where I could scale it, you know, at all. So I, I think, it's interesting. Cause it's like, why not? Like we don't like, why couldn't someone just be like, be have a support that just said, Hey, like we have the money. Let's try to make this thing. It's like, if, if that, if profit was not the end goal, it could be really interesting to see what could happen. Mm-hmm. If scalability wasn't the end goal, it'd be really interesting to see what could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the world we currently live in, but like, I think that that could be a really like great lens to try some stuff through. If, if some, someone out there has a ton of money and just wants to give it a shot. And I mean a ton of money because this stuff is, is like, it's a lot, but, um, there's so many different avenues and I'm talking about the recycled thing. Those excuses that I just can't, you know, gave were like the ones that we, got from higher ups at the time mm-hmm. and they've since you know been whittling it down and whittling it down and it's taken years to get to the point where they can now offer recyclable fabrications mm-hmm. you know yeah. consistently it just that is because it a it takes time on the technology front but also it takes time for consumers to you know want to buy you know move the needle from that side of things in terms of demand i so there's the way that I see this, and this is kind of like my, like, I guess my hotspot for, mm-hmm. for sustainability and like how it can actually happen in the world. There's like two things. There's a lot of things, but two main things to me and like other people definitely know more than I do on this front, but this is just like what I'm perceiving in my kind of short stint as a professional in this field. And I'm sure I'll learn more, but um, the consumer end is for sure a thing. Mm-hmm. If the consumer is asking for something, what's going to happen is the shops then and the buyers at the shops will say, everybody wants this thing. So it's like, everyone needs it to be recycled that we won't buy unless it's recycled or mm-hmm. everybody needs it to be solution diet or everyone needs it to be a natural fiber, whatever it is. And companies will react to that. But the problem with that is that a lot of like textile science is a huge study and the average consumer is not going to be a textile scientist and you are very informed by marketing and that's where greenwashing is so detrimental because it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden every, everyone gets on board with this and then it's like everyone's trying to do that and then it mm-hmm. switches and that and it happens quicker oftentimes than the technology can be you know perfected mm-hmm. so it actually can create more waste like for example like tiny example like bamboo yeah is awful I don't know the, like people know more about the exact like chemical processes that go into it. But like the basics is just that in order to make bamboo wearable and not like terribly scratchy and awful on your skin and you know how it feels so silky soft. Yeah. That is a very intense chemical process that has a ton of waste. Yeah. So it was like, and it might be better now. I haven't used bamboo in a while, yeah. but at the time it was awful. Mm-hmm. environmentally but then all of these places were greenwashing things to be bamboo and you know your average person thinks oh yeah bamboo grows like crazy that sounds awesome but like mm-hmm. actually it's awful but 
a ton of it is now being produced and a ton of waste is being made and a ton of horrible toxic chemicals are going into the waterways because of it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but my point is, is like consumers' perceptions are oftentimes skewed by companies and they are going to like, they might have great intentions, but at the end of the day, they're going to be promoting something that is, you know, to benefit their business. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like a skewed way to do things. So to be honest, as much as it's great for consumers to be educated and I think it's awesome. And I think it's great to look at something and say, Ooh, I don't like this, like chemical makeup that's in this. I'm not going to buy this and I'm going to shop, you know, vote with my dollar. Mm-hmm. I also think there needs to be policy around this stuff because it is just the wild west. People can market anything that they want to market. Yeah. Well, do you think policy makers are going to be any more educated than the general public? So I think it's happening slowly. Um, there's just a lot of talk about how, you know, the, the food movement, the organic food movement that, you know, apparel and textiles are going to be kind of like the next movement, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to be regulated like that and to be considered by, by consumers like that. Um, so it's maybe not specifying what to use as much as it's specifying more around claims and things like that, which I know already kind of exists, but it barely though, like to be totally honest, like these chemical companies that make the chemicals that make your silky smooth bamboo or your DWR, they have lobbyists. Mm -hmm. They're right in there. They are like DuPont, which is a chemical company, which makes DWRs and they're responsible for Gore and Teflon. And they're the guys, they are very active in the government. So it's, you know, you're not, you're not, you're going up against, it's a beast. Yeah. So, you know, I think it is going to take policy because sadly the marketing campaigns are going to be for profit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if it has a good intention, it it can cause issues. So it's just kind of like, yeah, it should be around claims. You know, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. And then also around chemicals, like what chemicals are, are carcinogenic outlaw those like make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why are we not making it happen? That's insane. And then it's like, because we're not making it happen, all of these companies, the chemical companies, the mills, they're all going to be continue to use those things because it's, it's what they use. They have the chemical compounds. They don't have to make anything else. It's cheap. They make it in quantities. So we have to change, but it's really hard to change on a small scale because the mills won't care. We actually have to make that change on a really big scale so that they'll make the chemical compound that is better. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing to have all of these wonderful small bespoke companies. And I love that. And I personally shop like that and it's wonderful and I get it, but it's not super practical when you consider how many people need clothing. Um, So, but let's zoom out for a second because I think, yes, I mean, we're just even scratching the surface on how deep this goes. And there's just so many layers to this, obviously, but I want to kind of like shift to a space where it's not, not necessarily bespoke and not necessarily what we're doing today, mm-hmm. but is there kind of a space in between around? Cause I think one of the things that's becoming more and more prominent from a design standpoint in any field is just that design is becoming about, you know, designing systems and designing ecosystems and things like that. So if we're to look at it from that lens, it's kind of like, are there sort of these like scalable co-op models available where you're getting kind of like smaller runs, but they're co-oping with other companies that are doing smaller runs so that you're producing at scale and you're getting that price break, but you could perhaps do it in an incrementally better way than just the, you know, kind of the regular way that we're doing it. So that's, that's one question is just around, like, if we're not going to change the actual sort of like 
all the moving parts because that's like very in the weeds on this problem. Is there some way to approach it? And again, like, obviously we're not going to solve this problem in a phone call, but like, you know, this is a lifetime of, you know, many generations of work that has to be sort of like reconsidered. But I think if you look from a super macro lens around where the conversation is in the food industry, you know, it's about regenerative agriculture. And then that, that dialogue is moving over into manufacturing and, and that includes fashion. And it's like, it seems like as people, maybe not everybody, but in general, as sort of the collective conversation is evolving and getting a little bit more savvy in terms of, um, you know, what really works at the core level in terms of, you know, regeneration, Mm -hmm. that that same principle could be applied to many different industries. And then that actually acts as a consolidator around some of these ideas. So going back to what we talked about having constraints, it's like if regenerative is the constraint, what does that mean in fashion? And then the other question is, you know, again, we're speaking to what's not realistic in the current environment when everybody's consuming at high, high volumes. So what about, you know, I, I think, you know, there is a, a trend or a movement toward buying less, buying more high quality, um, and changing behavior around consumerism. Obviously, you know, it's a big world out there and that could be my own sort of bubble, but, you know, I just think that the more, I've just seen a huge uptick in that sort of mentality going from very, very niche to it's almost mainstream in some ways right now to, you know, I can only see that continuing, especially with younger generations being even more concerned about this. And then you kind of have the like continual pressures that build up year after year around like seeing physical climate change kind of unfold before us. Like these to me seem like the indicators and the factors that are going to apply a certain special kind of pressure to this problem. Oh yeah. So there's so much to unpack there, but I'll try to like go one by one. First of all, in order to, I think curb a lot of like the overconsumption, it it needs to come from consumers that need to demand it for sure, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. I am all about it. And just kind of like reprioritize a bit. Right. But then all of these huge companies and huge corporations that are currently, and now I'm talking big, but I'll go small too. Like they need to, I think, you know, from a personal level, I think a lot of these companies need to take a long, hard look at themselves and, you know, the model has been growth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't work. So well, it doesn't work when it's an open-ended pipeline. It could work if it's closed and circulated back into the system in which it came. But when it's just completely open-ended, that's when you have linear waste. Totally. And there's like cradle to cradle and there's a lot of like lifestyle, th- like, I mean, sorry, life cycle thinking. Um, and from a design point of view, like we really think about that stuff and mm-hmm. It really, it takes an entire, you know, my brain right now is in like big corporation, but, but not not where I am currently, but just because you've been talking about those for a while now, but like, it needs to be like a whole restructuring. It needs to be a whole reprioritizing and it needs to, you know, cause that's going to be a different business model. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's not designers. It, It is designers in a way, actually it's like design thinking for sure about how to make this kind of stuff happen, but, you know, executives need to get on board and stakeholders need to get on board because I think at the end of the, like, you're going to need to, it can grow back for sure. I think, you know, a lot of the times doing things sustainably costs a lot of money up front, but then in reality actually saves a lot. Mm -hmm. And there just, there needs to be, and there's that metric and there's, you know, there are so many consultants out there who do this work. Um, you should read Cradle to Cradle if you haven't already, but like yeah, they, now, they now have a, um, you know, an agency, you know, it's like ha- having 
what's it called? Like how it's, things are, certain things are blue side improved, certain things are, you know, fair trade and certain things are cradle to cradle. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, circular, you know, economy wise, but it, that's like, it's so important. And there's a lot of talk around it. Right. But then as far as like the bigger companies, it's just, it's going to take a lot of structural change. And I think that that's going to take a lot of handholding and a lot of yeah deciding to work together. So that's, that's one thing. Um, but then being able to do that stuff, like on a small scale is for sure possible. Like there are so many great brands out there and I've, you know, worked for some and I've that, that are small and they're, they are just trying to support their three person team and they are, you know, not compromising and they're, you know, using, you know, very, very few fabrics, but it's just the things that they know that work that function. And they're not trying to reinvent the wheel every time, because I think that's another thing is humans are so driven by innovation, but a lot of the times that innovation people think is new, Mm -hmm. new stuff, but like, that's not necessarily like, that's not good. Like, I think innovation can be perfecting something or making it more sustainable or finding a piece in the supply chain that like decreases the carbon footprint by a ton, or it's a different dye process or things like that. Like, I think just those incremental things are so, so beautiful. And then the consumer need, like, that's where messaging is really important too, because you it's hard to see that value. That value a lot of the times is an visual thing. It's like yeah. deep in the process. Yeah. So that's like, where you need your storytellers to mm-hmm. connect the dots and totally. bring the forefront. And that exists and it's really cool. And like, I wish I was, I, I was so in that world and it's been a while. So I feel like I can't drop as many names as I once could, but like studio New York did that. And then mm-hmm. it's like, there's so many like fiber shed is, is doing their own stuff and there's smaller brands doing making really great stuff, but it's really for small brands. And this is like where it's hard to be small. It's hard yeah. to be a small brand because you just don't have the weight behind you. Yeah. So there's actually sourcing pools. There's like certain companies that are out there that do sourcing and they, you know, you hire them and they are, you know, it can be internationally. You can choose different countries. You can try to do it locally. There are people who do it locally and we can talk about that. Um, But they'll pool stuff. And if you work with certain sourcing agencies that are specifically for sustainability, like it's possible to do it that way. You just have to kind of like put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah in the best way possible. And it's, yeah, I mean, that exists and it's really cool. And it would be great. And the other thing too, is that that stuff's not cheap. It's like Mm -hmm. very pricey and, you know, some, a lot, some people can afford that and that's great. And if you can, you should, like, I am totally on board with like, if you have the means, like put your money where your mouth is like, don't complain about it. It's, you know, that's something that, that always like gets my blood boiling a little bit is like, because you see, you know, a t-shirt that's priced at $7, you get angry at one that's priced at 55. And it's like that you need to start to understand. And not to say that $55 t-shirt, who knows, you know, you need to dig in to see yeah. what, what that is made out of, or it could be 65 or 75, who knows, 85. It, I don't blink my eye at that kind of stuff because it's like, it's vast. It's just like a vast thing. But if you have, you know, if you have the energy for it and you have, and that's a priority, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Or, and, or do my favorite thing and go to thrift stores, but yeah. But, um, does that help at all? Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's super interesting just because again, I, I, obviously this, um, there's been a lot of talk around these things for a while. Um, and, you know, having worked on the side of retail and a different, in a couple of different facets of like selling clothes that have sustainability messages around them and then writing those sustainability, sustainability messages in some cases, and just really understanding kind of like, you know, how, how much of it is driven by marketing. And I totally hear your point around like 
the bamboo and, you know, what's going to be the next quote unquote sustainability trend, which I, that, that word is even, it feels a little like cheap, even using that word because it doesn't have a ton of meaning anymore. Um, and so that's why, again, you know, I, I kind of gravitate a little bit more toward the word regenerative, but I want to caveat that by saying that becomes its own dogma. You know, everything becomes a dogma after a certain point. And then it's like, what does regenerative, regenerative mean? Well, so I think what regenerative holds mm-hmm. as an improvement over sustainability is that there's a uh, implication that there's, again, that closed cycle around your, when you're extracting something, let's, let's just boil it down to a soil metaphor. When you're extracting something from the soil, you're, watering back into it so that you can regenerate, you know, and, and take from like continue to, to create fertile soil in which the products came from. And and we can make that analogy in a lot of places in our economy right now. And in a lot of cities that are experiencing huge gaps of, you know, wealth and poverty disparity, where, you know, there's a lot of people that are hurting as a result of this sort of like ATM mentality, uh, in business. It's like, I think regenerative is a great word, but I actually think that like sustainability is this like umbrella, right? And Mm -hmm. regenerative might be like one type of, of that sustainability because we can make regenerative, regenerative cotton, Mm -hmm. make regenerative wool Mm -hmm. very easily. Like sheep are wonderful. They graze and they help you know, the soil and it, it can really be this, like, it's actually like a gar- carbon sequestering and all of that kind of beautiful stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, maybe there's different, there's different types or different things because, you know, people tend to have this like one view of it, but like cotton is a very different material than wool. It's mm-hmm. a very different material than a petrochemical is a very different thing or recycled petrochemical, mm-hmm. yeah. very different than everything. Like these things are, you can't lump them into one thing. So it's like, maybe there's different types. There's different ways to be. Well, I think regenerative really requires people to zoom out pretty Mm -hmm. far and take a look at the full cycle of things. I mean, you still do have to get down to the granular level, but unless you can start to see like how these things connect, like the fact that we're just now starting to merge the fashion and the food conversation into one as a culture is, you know, super helpful, but it's, you know, more progress will be made on that front. It's just, and that's the thing too, is I just, I think culture is actually a huge, it's probably our most reliable vehicle to organize people in a similar direction in terms of culture is, you know, sort of the glue around, uh, different ideas. And when you have enough people kind of rowing in the same direction around uh, their goal, I think that that's, that's when things really start to speed up because then that's when people start to, you know, pull out all the stops in terms of getting to that goal. And we just haven't really gotten to that place yet. I think a, a big issue to there is that there's a lot of competing information out there. Mm hmm about this stuff. It's hard for me to find things. It's hard, you know, it's hard to really get to the root of it because it, it is being marketed from so many different angles and different mm-hmm. people are trying to sell different things. So it, it is getting murky. So yeah. it, so how do you get everyone rowing in the right direction? Who, who is the, who is deciding that correct direction? Because to me, I really don't trust a company to create that because they're trying for, you know, their, their intentions might be wonderful, but it's like, at the end of the day, like they're trying to benefit, you know, whatever's going to benefit the company and, and mm-hmm. make it survive. Like, I don't, I don't think it should be one centralized voice of a company because that's going to create a monopoly. Like, I do think that that's where policy or science, like it's, it's just, there needs to be clear messaging and that doesn't exist right now. Well, and I think it has to be, it has to be simpler than that. It has to be like a very clear set of, um, you know, checks that make up a a regenerative definition, you know, and you need consensus for that. But like, 
I don't think, I mean, I think if you check it through the three lenses of business environment and people, mm-hmm. and it has to, it has to like, again, contribute. It, right. it basically can't be extractive without replacing it on, you can't, you can't take away without reinstating the balance somewhere. And so if that's the lens, if that's the agreement, if that's the equation, and I'm not saying that that's exactly it, because obviously there's a lot of different viewpoints, but I think it has to be that simple, that it's a very simple yardstick that every single industry and, and it works to the, at the macro level and it works at the micro level so that this yardstick is something that you're using to make decisions in the heat of the moment. I think that that authority needs to come from some sort of policy or some sort of, you know, it's, it's really hard to have that come from a a brand. Well, I don't, I don't think it should come from a brand. I'm speaking that it should come from culture. I think culture should make that decision and it should be reinforced by policy and it should be then, you know, supported by corporations because ultimately if corporations are going to follow the money and if, policy sets kind of the quote unquote rules. Yeah. People will like get into a debate because I see culture as being all of these subcultures where different people believe in such different things. Right. But if you could get to the place where, if you could get to the place where you just get to what is most resonant for being a human in 2021 and beyond, I, I don't think that that is a tall order. I really don't. You know, it doesn't, because I think what we're talking about is like the range of how people show up and express themselves is vastly diverse. It's vastly different. And that's what people are getting hung up on, in my opinion, is that, you know, we're seeing, we're, we're operating at this level of seeing each other's differences so much and it's triggering left and right. But like, you have to get either a, a level above that or below that to be able to get to the, like, at the end of the day, people want to feel safe at the end of the day. People want to have like some level of connection at the end of the day. Like, you know, there's just, I think a bit of like a part. I'm going to just, I'm so sorry to like try to be like, wait, but what about this? But yeah, yeah, no, jump in devil's advocate here. Like a big part. I mean, this is, and I think this is why there are different, different views on this stuff Mm. is because to a lot of people, how they feel safe is, you know, monetarily Mm -hmm. right exactly well and i don't disagree with that but i'm saying like more people like that's where people's value system will be like i'm gonna buy the five dollar t-shirts it's and i understand Mm -hmm. where it comes from i just i just think like it's going to be really hard to just get everyone to get into the same boat Mm -hmm. from their own will personally and this is like a bigger conversation we're not even talking about textiles or manufacturing we're talking about like you know this is the world we live in Mm -hmm. you know but you know things do happen incrementally and I think that like and it takes years this isn't you know yeah of course so yeah I don't know how to get everyone in the boat unless maybe like some huge catastrophic event happens that absolutely no one can deny but (laughs) you know that did happen right with the factory in Bangladesh and, and things like that so so maybe Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, I think, I think it's really important because people are getting sick. Our environment is degrading. All of these things are happening and people need to understand why people do understand why, yeah. but we need to put, I'm so, I keep having this, I'm harping on policy. We got to put this stuff in place. Like we have the FDA, like we, you know, we have like chemical, you know, we need to be watching this stuff like a hawk and we need to like you know these expensive companies that are pumping out horrible mm-hmm. chemicals you know lobbying and all of that kind of stuff like all of that needs a huge overhaul and we need to just prioritize like what what are the key things that are going to ho- like help society and i think honestly manufacturing is going to be on that list of yeah. things to to really take a hard look at and to overhaul. And it's going to take more than just capitalism. It's going to take making. I actually think capitalism is a pretty strong organizational system just because it's 
you know, the, the fundamental idea of it is an open free market and it's the ability to yeah. you know, put your idea out into a group <laughs> setting and, and it gets crowdsourced, whether it, you know, whether it's a good idea or it's a bad idea and it increases sales or it doesn't increase sales. Obviously the way we're running capitalism right now is yeah. completely unchecked at a level. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, capitalism is good in a way, but there needs to be a check. It's kind totally. of, it's kind of like, there can't just be exponential growth. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying like, if you look at, and this is, I, every time I have this conversation, people's like hair on the back of their neck goes up because it's like, well, at least some people, because it feels like, no, that's what we're doing today. And it doesn't work. I'm using it because I'm just, I'm, there's no way, there's no other way to get into this conversation quickly without using that word. And in my mind, it just means that, you know, a free market system is the ability to create space for people to create autonomy and for pe- and for people to be able to put ideas out there that either work or they don't work. And that's what breeds innovation. Obviously the way that we have capitalism running right now with like very little checks and balances on, on many levels is not working. So there's, there's a layer of social consciousness and a layer of social conscience that is, you know, not present at moment, but, um, and I don't think it has to be about like maintaining our current status quo, like keeping capitalism in place just to maintain our status quo lifestyle and things like that. Like I have no idea how, you know, modern life will play out over the next few years. I'm not trying to make any claims or predictions around that. All I'm saying is that there's things are obviously broken at like the level of environmental health, you know, huge wealth inequality that is spurred by an unchecked capital system. Um, and that these, these are things that we can fix with a bit of intention. I think that's my bigger, like sort of, hypothesis is that if people, if, if it makes business sense to create health, then it can make sense for more people to participate in a system like that. Because I mean, we will just all have to see what happens when we keep running on an unbalanced like road, you know? It's, I mean, it's like at what point, right? Like, I feel like it's gone so far where we're like, if this happens, things will for sure get, you know, better. And, and right. I mean, nobody can predict the future. It's just like, it's obviously like if you zoom, zoom out, we're actually like humanity is in a pretty okay spot. You know, like we actually like, because we're not, I'm not saying we're looking at the immediate what's right in front of our face, but if you look at the way that humanity has evolved over time, like comparing to like, you know, medieval times or whatever, like we're not facing like, you know, on the whole life is improving for a lot of people, but it's just obviously needs to expand to a lot more people. And the cool thing about this time is that we have a lot of the tools available. We just don't have the intention behind it quite dialed, you know? And that's, I I do also think like it's, I mean, again, I'm so sorry to just, there's like so many different thoughts on this, but I think it is improving for some groups of people and it is not improving for others. I think it's like a big, like, I'm I'm definitely not denying like our current reality as being like, you know, it's, it's a shock to anyone's system and it's really intense at times. I'm saying like, if you look at like how humans have evolved over time, like there's never been this much, you know, social mobility available to people Mm -hmm. as, as like people, you know, I'm not saying it's balanced. I'm not saying it's like, it's still very skewed in a lot of ways for sure. But it's more of like, how can we, you know, if, if we're going to make this sort of like argument that we're just in the world that we're in right now, how do we at least improve it? You know, how do we at least extend that? Like, Cause I, I don't know that, you know, I can't really see what's beyond capitalism at this moment in terms of, you know, what is the better system? I think distributed systems help people organize in an organic way, but we have to like 
we have to decide like at some level, what is a boundary, you know, on this stuff. I wish that I had the answers to that. You know, there's so many different ideologies around that, be it like, you know, basic income stuff. And yeah, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to kind of go about it. I, I don't know, but like, this is where I do think like as much as we, I mean, we, people have power, people have a ton of power. Consumers have a ton of power. I think organizing and making it happen in politics and policy and, and, I think that's so, so key. So like, I, and, and I don't think that it's going to, you know, necessarily, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's like, it's nice to think that like maybe incrementally every couple of years, every four years we can take steps, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what it will take, you know, for the, for big industry to, to change. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, I think if people just have that kind of stamina to, to, stick with it in that way and to, you know, vote with their dollar, but also telling stores what they want, telling, you know, if you have an opportunity to tell a company what you're looking for, like those things matter. And, and then, and then, you know, reflecting that with what you actually buy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think hopefully we'll get to a better system, but it just, it needs to happen and it needs to happen. I think both on, you know, both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Is- yeah. I mean, I, no doubt. I absolutely like policy drives a lot of economic activity and change. It's just that, you know, what drives policy, it's intention, it's culture, it's political, you okay. know, it's politics, <laughs> um, which like ultimately, and is the social it, science, you know, it starts, it starts with people and it, but there's also like, as I said, these like people, these quote unquote, in my mind, you know, in other people's mind, it's going to be a different story, but you know, for me, they're bad actors, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there needs to be some kind of limit as to how much money these people can put into, you know, making sure that their chemicals are available in drinking mm-hmm. water. Like, it's, yeah. it's no, I mean, for sure. And they're obviously there are bad actors. I just, you know, barring the bad actors, <laughs> just, just get rid of them. I think to just the, like the normal people. Um, I think that I think on the whole, I guess where it seems like we're at in culture is that again, I don't, I don't know what that sort of like breaking point is. I think I don't even know that it is a singular breaking point. I think it's a million different, it's a million smaller breaking points that people have in their personal lives that people have in their, you know, fiduciary lives that people have in, I, I just think that like the more that the world continues to sort of be fast tracked into some deep change, which seems mm-hmm. to be occurring, um, it's, these are the kinds of, this is the kind of momentum that kind of starts to rally a bit of like a common, um, you know, I I think people get to a point where it's like, okay, you know, I, I do need to actually start reaching out to people and figuring out what the alternative is, you know, and I don't know what those events are, you know, they happen at the macro level and they happen at the micro level. I just, I get the distinct feeling that we're at a stage of the program we've been running for a really long time. Just It's just becoming so blatantly obvious that it's not working anymore, that some level of incremental change has to start happening fairly rapidly just based on... It is happening. It is happening. And it needs to continue to happen. And I think it can, it might be one of those things where we look back in, I mean, I'm looking back four years and saying, wow, look how much more like recycled stuff is in the market and everyone's using organic cotton. Like, I think there's a saying, it's like people overestimate what they can do in a year or in a day or a year, but then they underestimate what they can do in 10. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if there's just that stamina to stick with it, kind of like the food movement, like I do think that it'll happen. And people just need to keep banging that drum. Um, well, and I don't think it's any, it's, 
one of the big things is it's not on any one person's shoulders, you know, like if every person has some kind of way that they can make a, a bit of a contribution, even if that's just raising a family that is a little bit more aware of, or not raising a family, we're not raising a family, whatever, like whatever the personal choices are. I don't want to get into like that. It's just more of like that. I guess my whole bottom line of all this, you know, circular conversation is it's like, I think that with the right amount of intention, things can actually pick up momentum. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that doesn't take more than any, that doesn't take resources beyond your internal mindset and your internal, like, okay, I'm going to do something different than what was done before. And I'm going to do that because of all of these reasons that I see before me, you know, and really if, and I'm thinking about this like on the big level because I'm thinking about these huge manufacturers that are like producing a lot of this stuff. What do you think about things like, you know, H&M taking on a sort of a, we'll take your clothes back type initiative. That's it's so great. I think that as soon as people, we need, we need role models. Mm-hmm. We need role models. We need big role models with large marketing budgets. Yeah. Um, And also, I just think that, like, think about how ambitious you were when you were first starting out, you know? I know I had a lot more energy around mine. You're not ambitious now? Well, no, you are. I'm just saying there's a tendency for once we've been on a certain track for a while to get kind of set in our ways a little bit. And I think we kind of have to, if we can't re-spark a beginner's mind, we have to maybe look to the new generation and encourage that spark to happen because I know that when I was kind of coming up in my early career and trying to look for role models who were in leadership positions who had, who even cared about this kind of stuff felt very few and far between. They didn't have to like know everything in and out, but just the willingness to like listen and talk through a conversation about sustainability was like total gold and you know, I think it's much more common now, but it's just even the receptivity from people who have been in their careers for a long time, who they might not have a clue about where to start with all this stuff, but the the youth know, you know, and they do have a clue and we should be listening to them. It's and- amazing what happens when someone comes in with different ideas and people just listen. Right. Because then from that experience, it could if, if, if people can get past the like, oh, I've done this this way and it didn't work. Oh, I did this this way and it didn't work. Like technology changes so quickly that it might work now. Yeah, right. It starts to spark so many ideas. And then if you can pull resources like behind that idea mm-hmm. and amazing. Yeah. And I think that's happening. And, and I think, you know, keep your eye out. There's so many, you know, bolt threads and things like that. People trying to make, you know, everything under the sun, things out of mushrooms, things out of proteins and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it's happening. It just needs some more momentum. It needs. Yeah. So I'm curious what you, you know, kind of drawing it back to what you're doing today and working with Art Elect and, you know, being, I don't think we covered that part of your career, but, um, you know, you're back at it putting together a full line and things like that. So yeah. Or you kind of, how are you reconciling those decisions right now? I am so lucky to work with someone who has been working on this stuff for decades. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. are, he's bringing all of this technology to the table that I had never heard about. Yeah. And all of our retailers haven't heard about, and he's using technologies that, you know, him, he comes from the bigger brands. He started, yeah, his, his background is pretty cool, but, um, started a lot of smaller brands and he ended up with the big guys and, mm-hmm. and that's Trent Trent. Yeah. He made relationships with all of these, you know, mills and, and suppliers and, and people. So there's all of these things that are happening that I never knew about that. Like my mind is blown like constantly. So it's, it's really cool because it feels like those institutional barriers have kind of been lifted and now we're talking to people who want to innovate Mm -hmm. actually why the company is starting. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, we're using, you know, some stuff that is tried and true and we know mm-hmm. we're like making incremental steps to try to figure out like, you know, how to make things better and, and like in what way we want to make things better because there's so many avenues, but that's what I'm doing now. And it is really exciting. We're trying to disrupt the outdoor industry in a, in a way by bringing new technologies, but also just a different mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's great, but you know, there are compromises that you have to make to make a sustainable company. You know, I'm not saying that we're not making those compromises as well. Right. So just real quick, what's, can you give a recap of what Artelect is? Artelect is a new brand in the outdoor and active industries. Um, we are, you know, starting, we have kind of two sections. There's a system section, which is our technical, technical system. Mm-hmm. all the way from base layer. And we're using a really great Merino base layer technology. That's not widely available called new yarn mm-hmm. up. And we're all the way to technical three layers and shells and, you know, things that you can wear on Everest and all like we're doing it all because we can, we have those, you know, relationships with these suppliers for decades by we, I mean, Trent. Yeah. And, um, so that's the system side. And then we also have the studio side, which is the lifestyle. We're using 100% organic cotton. We created a merino cotton blend that doesn't use any, no nylons or anything like that. Um, so we're, and that's our more like expressive side. So while we're doing, we're a technical company and we're like in that outdoor space, we also don't want to take ourselves too seriously. Um, our uh, art director is Evan Hecox, who's like, oh, cool. and he uh, did like chocolate, yeah, you know, chocolate skateboards and monster children. And he's super prolific and just so talented and so creative. And that's a big part of our lives personally. Yeah. We just want to kind of infuse that into the outdoor industry and yeah. and all that stuff. So that's kind of what it's starting at and what it's kind of becoming and um it's it's in the world now so it's like kind of having be, like forming a life of its own so that's that's kind of where we're at now very cool yeah. but so you're able to do that because so would you consider yourself like a boutique business or it seems like you're a bit middle of the road we're a bit middle of the road um we have so many great you know relationships and you know we have full e-commerce behind us and we have a sales team and we have distribution and we have warehousing yeah. um because we are you know financed and it started with um another company in Europe that you know has a huge hand in everything that we do and uh so we have some muscle behind us and I think and this is my lofty goal other people might have other goals but it's like because we're in the outdoor space and the active space, it's been the same players for forever since like yeah. the outdoor industry started. So I think, you know, in a way we do want to kind of be in those stores and those bigger retailers just to have another point of view. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think being big is necessarily bad. I think it's good to, you know, have some visibility, some visibility and tell a different story and maybe yeah. inspire some people who don't necessarily you know, relate to the brands that are currently in the market. So that's kind of the goal is to get bigger. And, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to do business and that's one way. And there's another way to do things really small. So it's like, and I just want to touch on this. My, this is something I get into conversations about a lot is people who want things that only, you know, made locally and only done in the U S and that's like a big thing, but like the global supply chain is pretty cool. And the U S doesn't have a whole lot of, you didn't even ask me this question, but it, it's like, I get, this is an Achilles heel of mine. I get it. Awesome. Having produced in the United States, like a lot of the times what happens for people who are made in the U S is they have to compromise on fabrics mm-hmm. and buy those fabrics from China or whoever, or Bangladesh or like whatever they can get. And yeah. that just comes into the country and they sew it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, 
cheap labor, as cheap labor as they can possibly get in the United States. So it's not necessarily better and there's still shipping involved and all that kind of stuff. And I've done both. Yeah. So that is not us. I don't know why I had to tack that on. I feel like. Well, I think, I think this could be like a good, you know, sort of wind down in general of just the takeaway here being that there isn't one way to do business. It's again, I think it comes back to what is your intention? How are you treating your supply chain? How are you setting up your relationships, things like that? And when you have, you know, someone like Trent with all that industry experience and knowledge and yourself as well, that brings, you know, a new slice of experience to the mix. It's like, that's a very, you know, intentional uh, path forward in terms of seeing how it's been done before in so many different capacities and then taking all that compounded knowledge and creating something new and different is, again, I think that is the sort of definition of innovation is that you, you're continuing to build on ideas and move forward in a way that, you know, is just defining a new place in culture. Like we're, we're just in a new, the conversation keeps moving forward. People keep learning new things. Obviously social media has a lot to do with rapid knowledge exchange and information exchange. Some of it qualified, some of it not, but in general, you can get involved in the conversation, whether you're just listening or um, contributing to it. And, and that's just where we are in culture right now. And so I think that, you know, trying to come in with something different and um, build on all that's happened in the past is, you know, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been really refreshing for me and I'm like, we've talked about this. Like I'm, I'm really excited to be um, a part of like what we're currently doing just because I'm expanding my knowledge base so much, you know, I consider myself a total textile nerd, but I'm like totally just chipping out at the surface. Um, which is awesome. Cause I, I mean, I'm not embarrassed by that. Like you can get a PhD and still you, there's so much more to, to learn, but, um, so I'm personally learning and then also just contributing in a way that I personally identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's overall been super positive and I hope it resonates with people. And I think, I think it's also, it's a good takeaway to just be like, there's a lot of ways to do things and there's, yeah. it's not just like one rally cry. It's like different incremental steps. And and if you can, you know, every action has a reaction and just like to put things in perspective in that way. And to just try to make these changes instead of not, mm-hmm. It's like, that's really, for me personally, all, all I can do, but yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at now. It's great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that it needs to be one rallying cry, but again, I think, I think if you look across what people are trying to do, people that are trying to create meaningful work, it seems like there are some pretty clear themes around what that work is trying to achieve. And I think that's, it would be great if we, <laughs> yeah. Well, we the one rallying cry, like, it, you know, can be like, let's make this regenerative. Let's make this like sustainable. Let's do the best we can. But then there's just so many ways to do that. Right. Well, that's exactly it. But it's not even like, I don't even know if it's calling it again, that even like getting to the label level feels like a lot. It's just like, can we do something that provides meaning for us and, you know, at some level, it doesn't have to always be this earth shattering thing, but does it make you want to get up out of bed in the morning? Does it make you want to engage in the world around you? You know, is the, is the supply chain, how is that playing out? You know, like these, I don't think it's radical to be like examining these questions um, at every level of business, even if you don't have the answers. And it feels to me just really good to be able to do that in like a very direct way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, you know, number two contact of a lot of these, you know, one or two I'm, I'm in it. And that's kind of like where I like to be. Yeah. And you so, get to be creative, which is your, your strong suit. So creative, but also I, I put those, those garter rails in for myself, <laughs> so, which is great. I love bumpers, but you know, it's like, 
taking what I've learned and like putting it, directing it in a way that to me is positive is, has just been, uh, yeah, total blessing. Pretty, pretty psyched, pretty psyched to see like what the response is and to just keep contributing to that narrative because I think that it's an important one. And I think that just like things need to change and hopefully we can be a part of it and a, a positive part of it. Even if it's just to, to be an inspiration point, anything, anything. I think also just like having fun with it, you know, is a huge piece of like wanting to even try to solve these things. So I mean, um, progress is fun to me. Totally. Yeah. And just messing around and seeing what comes about, but yeah. But being intentional about it. Yeah. I mean, whatever that means for you, you know, I guess, I don't know, but yeah, no, thanks for having this conversation. I hope it was like educational. I, you know, that stuff's really important to me and I'm like excited to see like the global conversation continue to grow because I think it will. Yes. So I'm just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, no, it's great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.